1: Greetings and welcome to the b Photography Podcast. Chris Gunn is an editorial, documentary, and fine art photographer based in Washington, D.C. He's also a contract photographer for the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, and he has what must be one of the coolest gigs a gearhead photographer can land. For the past 10 years, he's been documenting the construction of the James Webb Space Telescope, which is destined to take over for the Hubble as NASA's most powerful telescope. Chris's work has appeared in National Geographic, The Atlantic, and many other national and international publications, and he's joining us today via Skype. Also joining us today is our very own in-house space cadet, Todd Vornkamp. Uh, Todd Todd is an in-house writer who has written many stories about astrophotography and all the gear that's related to it. Welcome to our show.
2: Thanks for having me
1: a so, uh, great having you we, we, we have i think more questions today than we've had for uh, many guests for a while we got a lot of people who are interested in this stuff it's a white
3: paper yeah,
1: literally um let's just start off you you say that you're you refer to yourself as a technician rather than an artist you want to elaborate on that a little bit
2: you know i initially started referring to myself as a technician kind of as a uh, a backlash to who a colleague who referred to me as an artist kind of like, you know, well, you, you don't, you don't really fit in. Your work is too artistic for this environment. And uh, you know, I kind of took a step back and said, okay, so I, I see what he's saying and maybe to flourish in this technical environment, I have to sort of reinvent myself hmm. and let people know the, the technical power of photography and how it fits into such a technical environment.
1: So do you think that being engineers, they look at what photographers do in a way as folly? That's what I'm kind of. It's sort of like we're doing serious stuff, and you're kind of like playing around here and just on 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 the, on the sidelines. That's what it's kind
2: of sounds like. Am I wrong? Well, so I I I would not say it that way um,
1: be, well, because
2: because, of, because a lot of the engineers a lot of the engineers are actually photographers. I'm, yeah, and, and 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 I think they really appreciate. Uh, if you understand the the technology behind photography, if you will, right so if you come in as an artist, they might not look at you the same way as if you talk their language. you know, how, how did talk that? like you know what you're talking about. so so if you're talking to a, a, a technologist or an engineer that is a photographer, if you let him know that you know your stuff then there's a there's a there's a degree of respect that's there mm, I and then that. you sort of you sort of, you know, Uh, the art, uh, of photography, uh, comes out after they see an image that you make and they're like, wow, there you go! how'd you do that? You know what I mean? Yeah,
3: you do. You have to kind of prove yourself there. But let me ask, did you, uh, you know, with this attitude and, and, or kind of the need to take on that attitude or that, that kind of label or whatever you want to call it, person persona, did, did it bring a change in your work or did you already kind of uh, go into it knowing that, you know, the kind of style you wanted to present?
2: No, I don't think it changed my work uh, at all. To be honest, you know, I think that the you're, you're constantly evolving as a photographer. At least I have. Um, when I first came to NASA, I mean, before I started shooting actual hardware, uh, I was doing more public affairs style stuff. A lot of headshots, a lot of group photos, a lot of you know, like uh, award grip ceremonies. grip and grin, people. grip and grin, exactly. So. So occasionally there there would be a call for um, a really cool image of a spacecraft, and I'd go and I'd go into a clean room for 15 minutes and get my shot and leave. And I was one of the only photographers that was uh, shooting digitally at that time, right? That, so but was that I a could
3: get my stuff medium format digital. At that point,
2: what, no, it wasn't. No, no, Actually, okay. it was, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, so we're talking about Kodak four sixty. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, right? Uh,
3: yeah, okay. <laughs> All
2: right. So so they had a Kodak four sixty that the battery had been depleted and you could get, I don't know, 15 shots before the battery died. <laughs> yeah, right. But it was perfect because I was used to shooting medium format photography. So it was like shooting a roll of uh, you know, 120, 12 shots, right? And um, so anyway, I get my shots and Uh, I might light it. And so I always took the extra step and people started to notice that. And that's uh, how I got on the side, uh, on the more technical side of of Goddard.
3: Okay. So maybe we should step back a second because... Yep. You know, you got 20 years, like you just said. And, um, you know, the, the whole thing has been an evolution. And obviously now you're kind of, you know, fully uh, ensconced with the, with the James Webb program. But
1: one, one of the things I'm curious yeah. about is like, how did you find out about this job? Because obviously this was not on Craigslist.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it,
2: it wasn't on Craigslist, but I think it was in the paper. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, how wide so did your eyes pop open when you saw this? Because this is, I mean, this is a, a
2: really unique job. So the they eyes pop and then <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I, I, can, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I mean, everything that they listed there, I was like, I mean, I, I can handle that. It's uh, awesome. That's so, I, of course, I took my work and I didn't have, uh, obviously, the material that that they or, or I didn't have the the types of things in my portfolio. You didn't have a portfolio of aircraft, <laughs> <and spacecraft>.
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> but but they could see the quality of the work, right. right? And like I said, when I when I first came on, um, it was more editorial based, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of headshots and that kind of thing. They saw all that in my work. They saw the magazine work. Um, they saw the hip hop artists that I shot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. they uh, they saw the quality. though. I think that was that was obvious, and uh, got landed the job.
3: Why uh, don't you have that stuff on your website? Is it just something that um, over the time you're, you're kind of, now you want to identify yourself as, as this photographer or, you know, are you mean my early
0: work. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, or I'll, other projects. All the I other stuff have, you think, yeah.
2: I have, I have really decided that, um, I love shooting technology.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I love shooting space. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I've been doing it for the longest period of time. Um, and this, it, the, the position, the job, where I am, has really allowed me to explore uh, this area. So, um, yeah, it's just something I really love to be That's honest.
4: Yeah, okay.
2: And, and, and to say that I wasn't connected to the to the previous work would not be totally honest, but it wouldn't be a lie either, you know? Um, I often found myself shooting things that, yeah, I'm not really into this, but I got to, I got to, mm-hmm. got to make these images. But now I'm really, really connected to gotcha. that.
3: And can you yeah. maybe then explain a little bit how? I mean, you you describe yourself as a contract photographer and how how that works. But you've obviously been there a long time and you've evolved into this very specific role. So maybe talk about that a little bit and and also, you know, your general responsibilities. You know, as as like on a day to day basis or on a project basis.
2: Of course, of course. So uh, 50 years ago, um, of course, NASA photographers were government employees. So they actually worked for NASA. Uh, And I think there were probably dozens of photographers. There are a few that are are pretty famous um, for their Apollo images. Kind of nameless, but famous famous nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is probably only one government NASA photographer right now. The rest of us that shoot for NASA. Uh, our contract photographers. Mm-hmm. So we work for outside companies that have contracted with NASA for our services. Okay.
3: All
2: right.
3: So that's how it works. Gotcha. Interesting. And, yeah. uh, and then like, on that follow up with the, um, you know, want to describe kind of, do you go into the office every day? I mean, do you go, I mean, now you're in California, but do you, is it kind of a day to day thing where you always kind of be on site or, or, or how's that work?
2: It's a day to day thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's why I'm here in California, because the the spacecraft is actually here now. Um, so I'm always on call for photography and spend a lot of my day in the clean room, uh, making photographs of the activities that are going on. Uh, when I'm at Goddard, um, I'm also working on a few other projects. Uh, oftentimes they call me in for, you know, what they might call the beauty shots or the, mm-hmm. the, the really cool slick shots that might go out to the public. And that's what, uh, you know, that's where I really like to shine. That's where I really like to, you know.
3: Well, that works incredible. Man. I mean,
5: uh, we, we <laughs> yeah, want to talk about it. that.
3: But go ahead, Todd. Hey,
5: Chris, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. you just referred to the James Webb Space Telescope as a spacecraft, which it is. Uh, right. Folks call it a space telescope. But in the Atlantic article, you refer to it as an observatory. And that's the first time I've seen anyone use that term
2: so that is the technical term for so okay so let, let's break down <laughs> a few, let's break, break down a few terms here so the the James Webb Space Telescope has a few components right so right. there is the optical portion and uh, there is the spacecraft and the spacecraft includes um, basically the the little booster rockets that Station keeping rockets to sort of keep it in position and that sort of thing. It also includes the sun shield, right? Whereas the optical portion is the is the pretty portion that everybody know, knows with the mirrors, right? The right. six and a half meter mirror that that is James Webb's uh, basic, uh, you know, the image that everybody knows. So has a couple portions. When you put it all together, it's an observatory, you know, just like the Griffith Observatory. Gotcha, right? So um, it's a space-based observatory, but it is an observatory.
3: All right, nice. That's a good answer. And maybe just to stay on this thing a little bit, can you talk a little bit about the differences with the Hubble? And uh, obviously this is a giant area that you know we're asking you to encapsulate, but anything that uh, distinguishes it in that sense? So uh,
2: two major differences are, are um, size, obviously, right? Uh, the size and the the Spectrum, the wavelength that it's it's imaging, so um, the wavelength of the spectrum. So, to Hubble, I think is a two and a half or two point four meter mirror, whereas um, Webb's mirror is six and a half meters, right? So and that's a,
1: that's a quantum leap of magnification, then.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're yeah, and and I think the major difference is that Hubble is visible light. Whereas uh, the James Webb Space Telescope has uh, infrared capabilities mm. primarily, right? And it has uh, four different instruments. One is the Fine guided Sensor. That's so. Uh, that's not really one of the cameras per se. And the other three are the wide, the uh, near spec, near cam, and miri are all infrared instruments. So it's going to peer back. Further than Hubble, and it's going to be able to look through a lot of those dust clouds and it'll be able to see actual planet formation. So, if you think about uh, the observatory or the telescope as a time machine, it's going to look back about 13 and a half billion years.
1: Now, talking (laughs) about a time machine, as you're describing this, I realized that just during the construction of of this vehicle, of this uh, Mm -hmm. uh, um, observatory, -hmm. Technologies change very quickly, and this has been going on Mm -hmm. for quite some time. Have there been any major changes since the beginning of this project? Whereas some of the original equipment and projects that were going on have already been eclipsed by newer technologies, which are better. So, is this uh, how much evolution is going on while it's being developed and finalized?
2: So, I think it's a good question, and I'm probably not the one to answer it. Uh, then, be crea- then be creative. The way I look at it <laughs> is a lot, of, a lot of technologies were actually invented for this telescope, right? For example, one of the uh, instruments has micro shutters, right? So these are microscopic shutters that are able to open and close to reveal portions of the sky, right? And black out certain portions for better ob- observations. So these technologies have taken time to refine and they haven't actually been eclipsed um, because they're continuing to re- to develop them for the next telescope, which might take another ten years, gotcha. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that that it's right. It, it's at the re- everything that's been developed for it is is right on time.
3: Hmm. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the technology vis-a-vis the cameras, though, that you're using, and uh, maybe some of the changes that you've put into your own work. You know, since you started this, you, have you been shooting with Hasselblad since the beginning? So. Um,
2: that's, that's a great question. So <laughs> so when when I first started at NASA, believe it or not, uh, we were still shooting film. Mm-hmm. There was that one uh, Nikon DCS-460 or whatever. Uh, there were Hasselblad cameras. Uh, occasionally, I'd shoot Hasselblad film. But as I migrated over to the more technical end uh, where the spacecrafts were being built, um, I insisted on, on shooting digitally primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the most part, full-frame. DSLR cameras, Uh, when web uh, instruments began to be delivered, um, web mirrors, I realized at that point that I needed to step up to medium format, primarily uh, because I I didn't want any distortion in any of these images. Um, I needed to be able to control perspective. I needed uh, a lot of these images being pushed out for publications. So I needed higher resolutions. And that's when I reached out to Hasselblad for a demo mm-hmm. and, uh, first demoed the, I guess, uh, the H5D 50 C the 50 megapixel camera. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a, it was a game changer in terms of uh, how I worked because of course it slowed me down, but I was also able to produce images, um, that were better. Speed,
1: just turn everything speed's really not never been a big issue for i would say most of what you're doing is that a correct assumption
2: right you mean speed in terms of, of being shooting images? yeah yeah you, know,
1: you don't have to crank you know you don't need 20 20 frames a second for what you're doing am i to no wrong.
2: no you no you don't but in terms of like being able to produce images that i think um were elevated to let's say a level of art or images that uh just were more. Um, how, how can I put it? Allow me to, you know, pre-visualize and 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 just sort of uh, what's the word? Create, create. True. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The the medium format just simply it, it allows you to do that a lot easier for me because mm-hmm. I think that's because what that's what I grew up on. I grew up okay. four by five. Medium format.
3: And did you, you know, when, when this, this time came when you're incorporating the medium format and, uh, did you have to speak it over with, you know, your bosses, whoever they happen to be, uh, about, all right, this is my idea. I really want to kind of, as you said, turn this into more of an art piece or as much as possible. And and how's that balance work out where, where they're like, no, 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 we just need this documented and, you know, don't waste my time. Or is that conversation not (laughs) happening?
2: Well, luckily the, the, uh, boss, the, the engineer that I spoke to that actually was helping to, um, control those first strings was actually a photographer and he understood exactly. Oh, what was oh that helps. Uh, of course. Yeah. 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 And you know, he, he, he understood that it was a huge investment, but he also had, he had the, he had the understanding of what, what, it, what changes it would make in the imagery. Right. Yeah.
3: And how much, uh, free, you know, free hand do you have, uh, on a day-to-day basis to, to set up the shots you want? And how does that process work, if you, especially if you need to get engineers and scientists involved in the shot?
2: So, um, I, I wear two hats. So, I do a lot of technical photography, and that might be a shot of uh, this bolt, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, this alignment from this piece to this piece, right? And, uh, but when it comes to actually making a photograph of the observatory that I think um, might go out to the public or be published, um, I pretty much have free reign because I'm not dealing with any art directors or anything yeah. like that. Right. So, so I'm, I'm waiting for the right time to, to make the right images.
5: Chris, are you shooting a photo of a bolt with a medium format camera or do you have I something? am not. Okay. <laughs> are you not u- using your iPhone or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not,
2: we're, no, we're using full frame cameras. We're using okay. a Nikon, you know, D5s, that kind of
5: thing. Gotcha. Okay. So you break out the medium format for the larger, more artistic work? Exactly.
3: Okay. Exactly. And other, are there other photographers on site or partners with you?
2: So I had a team of, uh, of three, and now we're a team of two.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to, to Get back into the gear thing for a second. You work in clean rooms uh, uh, frequently. I imagine for pretty much all of this, uh, a lot of the stuff you're doing with the observatory, it's in clean rooms, which means everyone is in these basically spacesuits and clothes and everything else. I'm assuming that your equipment has to be kept into a certain speck of cleanliness also. And that Good said, job. do you just keep a set of uh, your gear in the clean room or do you go back and forth and have to clean it every time you would go back in?
2: So anytime you remove it and bring it back in, it has to be cleaned. I travel and I, I bring gear in and out with me or back and forth, you know, to the East Coast and West Coast. So it, it has to be cleaned every time it enters a clean room. And yeah, we're wearing those, uh, we call them bunny suits. Mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten, you know, sort of used to wearing it now, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging to say, to say the least. Do I tell but, you, I, I
1: wear one on New Jersey transit and I get a seat every time.
2: Do you really, <laughs> so it's yeah, very effective. Very. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, um, uh, yeah, so, so the cameras are, are actually wiped down with IPA and it's, uh, you know, an alcohol water mix and they're looking for any particulates that might, um, contaminate spacecraft or, or that kinda of, that mm. sort of
3: thing. Just to throw this out there, I was reading in in one of the articles about this project that uh and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the spacecraft systems development and integration facility, uh, at thirty six thousand eight hundred and eleven point seventy six cubic meters is the largest clean room of its kind in the world. It's a clean as an operating room that's I that's the facility
2: <laughs> that I spent most of my time in it got it yeah. it is Uh, it's huge um, and it's super clean it just did a renovation there. I mean uh, one of the things cleaner. that
3: stands out immediately when you see you, your work is this idea of scale you know the size oh, yeah. of, of what yeah, you're working yeah, yeah. on and yeah. then talk a little bit about in you know, developing that that look because you know you yeah just there's the one shot and I don't even know what it is it's like the door of a chamber and, and some scientists walking in front of it and uh that's the one that comes to mind, but there's many. And uh, how hard do you work to establish this this sense of size and perspective?
2: It, well, it's important for me to 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 like transmit how I feel mm-hmm. to the viewer of the images. And you know when I'm standing in a room with a chamber, I think you're talking about the chamber A. That's the, actually the chamber that they tested Apollo missions in. And it's the, it's, so we were there because it's the largest chamber that NASA has. So it's the only one that Webb would fit into, to be honest. Um, but in terms of the technique, I mean, it's really lens selection, uh, being able to place myself in a position um, where it all works and I'm able to have all the skills correct. You know, So um, it's just really important for me to, to convey that to the viewer of the images. Because if I don't, then you don't go
3: wow when you see it. you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, and you definitely do yeah. go wow. so I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Um, and do you have this, I mean, when you're there, do you still feel this kind of sense of awe in terms of the history and and like we're talking about the scale and the size and the magnitude of these projects, or is that uh, every, just your punching every time? In and, yeah, that's great.
2: No, every, yeah, every every time, every time you you enter one of these facilities, especially the NASA facilities, you get a sense of uh, the history that that is in these places.
1: I, just out of curiosity, it's, good, it's the way my mind works. I, I'm, I, I look at your pictures and I'm listening to what you're saying about these monster things of scale. Um, there used to be a shop here in New York, I forget the name of it, but they used to sell things like Three foot tall paper clips and six foot pencils. Did you <laughs> ever? Did you ever get tempted to bring one of those things in and just mess with people's head with scale?
2: I would. I would love to have a six foot pencil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> to bring it to just one. Leave of it, it around. Of you know,
1: photograph yeah. one of those bolts next to one and just Lay just it. let it go
5: out there. Lay well, it on the mirror. <laughs> yeah.
3: But so, so what is the vibe there? I mean, is it very very serious? And and talk a little bit about you know how cooperative the engineers are when when it's time to be photographed and and just getting them to kind of, you know, work with you?
2: Uh, it's, it's serious. Yeah. It's very serious because we're, we're all working to to put this thing into to space and have it work and everything be flawless. You know what I mean? So, so it's very, very serious. Um, but at the same time, we're like a big family, you know, I, I have, you know, so everyone knows everyone, we, um, we have meetings constantly. There's a daily meeting, for example, where we go over what's going to happen during the course of the day. Um, out here at, at uh, Space Park, um, it's 5.30 a.m. That's when that daily meeting is. Uh, so I, <laughs> but everyone, everyone is in a good mood at that time. And we talk, You know, we talk about what's going to happen. And I don't necessarily chime in and say, hey, this is what I'll be photographing or this is what I'll try to do. I just sort of sit back, listen to what's going to happen. They'll let me know if they need any technical photographic support. And I sort of build my creative flow around around that.
3: Every day is a little different than you, I mean. It...
2: Every day is a little different, but some of these tasks take a really long time. So, right. so for example, the folding of the of the sunshine membrane that's happening right now, um, it's been going on for about a month and that was expected.
3: And if you, let's say that whole process, you need to document it. I imagine you need to document it completely, but at the end of it, you may just have one medium format image that that's going to serve that purpose, at least in terms of your, in terms of being sense. pushed
2: out to the public. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one or two. Exactly. And then, and then and how many also, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead.
3: No, just like around that, how many other images will you take?
2: Uh, it could range from, um, uh, hundreds to thousands. Cause yeah. we are also using, um, uh, you know,
5: time-lapse photography and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You you were talking about how serious things were and I, I hesitate to bring this up, but as a aviation space enthusiast, like you you can't say the word Hubble without people immediately jumping to the flawed initial mirror and the mission to correct and all that stuff. So is there like, is there a Hubble hangover there, even though there's been a number of successful missions since then? to Hubble,
2: Right. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think there's a Hubble hangover. The, the, it's it's even, I won't say it's worse than that, but it's this telescope is going out a million miles, right? right. So it cannot be serviced, right? Right? So so it's not. Uh, that's one of the other major differences from Hubble. So it has to be perfect when it leaves here, right?
5: No, I, was, I always wonder if there's this thing in the back of your head, like if you test the the sun shield folding and unfolding five times and it works successfully on the ground is the sixth time, the one that's not going to work. And that's the one when it's in space or when the mirror unfolds, that's a, I, yeah, that would no, keep I you up at night.
2: They, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think they think like that, but they, you know, they do test everything mm-hmm. and then they retest everything. Right. Um, you know, and everything does have a, uh, like you're saying, uh, sort of a life, but, but this telescope is built to last for five years in space, but, That's the planned mission, but it could actually uh, last many, many years beyond it. Sure.
1: Okay, we're going to take a short break, and we come back more with Chris Gunn. Stay tuned.
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of the BH Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the BH Explorer website and join the BH Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now, back to the show.
1: Okay, we are back. Uh, Before we continue with Chris, just a little backup here. Uh, John reminded me that uh, we did, in fact, do a whole episode on the Hubble uh, telescope uh, a while back. And we had a couple of guests. Who who are they again? Yeah,
3: uh, this is going back, geez, three years now. We had Dr. Jeff Hester, who was a member of the team uh, that built the camera on the Hubble telescope. And is credited with taking that photo, Pillars of Creation.
1: Right, right, um, right, right.
3: So take a look for that episode uh, uh, in our archive. Yeah, we also have Zoltan LeVey on that episode, who is the imaging team leader at the Space Telescope Institute. So it really fits in well with this episode. Yeah, so yeah. Take a Good listen. complimentary yeah. show. Yeah, right.
1: Okay. A lot of the photography you do, I imagine, is is day in, day out kind of stuff. You, you, you could be photographing anything. It's basically documentation. Right. But a good deal of what you do is also rather challenging because of the scale or technical complexity. What, what's one of the more or one or two of the more complex photographs that you've been faced and you've been able to pull off successfully?
2: One that comes to mind is uh, a series of images that I've made in inside of Chamber Ray where the telescope was cryogenically tested. So uh, the walls of the chamber were coated in a basically a, a matte black coating. So it, and it was just not for temperature control. Obviously it was also for light control. And, uh, it was basically, there was nothing I had to, I had to light it. Mm-hmm. And and that was, it was a lot of light used, And I also had to pinpoint the area of the wall that was reflected into the mirror. And, that's where I pumped the most of the light, so that I could actually image the mirror. Um, that image uh, is actually was pretty successful. Uh, I think one of those images ran in in that geo in 2019. Um, that was pretty challenging. Uh, anytime you're actually faced with with photographing the mirror, you actually have to figure out what's being reflected in the mirror, right? So, um, which. Often means that you're chasing around the room, trying to figure out what actually is being reflected in the mirror. And you have to light Mm -hmm. that. Um, I've done a couple of time exposures. Um, One in particular was almost a couple minutes. And uh, the room was pretty dark. Nothing but flashlights being used by the technicians. And uh, basically, you know, I had to go around the room and do some painting with light but i had to find the portions of the wall that were reflected in the in in the mirror again and that was pretty challenging but it was fun at the same time so do
1: you have to be careful when using flash could you overload certain circuits or do damage by using certain lighting equipment
2: so we have run tests on that <laughs> and and it has been determined that we we can't damage it so okay good good question so, though.
5: you were talking about the mirrors and how you have to deal with those photographically a lot of your image is a lot of your images show folks inspecting the mirrors with the the mark one mod zero human eyeball and a flashlight is that (laughs) is the is that the most most bestest way to inspect these mirrors or is there a a laser and computer that does a final scan of it or do you know so
2: so that the flashlight inspections are contamination inspections, okay. so they're looking mm-hmm. for particles yeah. or you know that that sort of thing. the The other inspection you're talking about, they do that. It's called wavefront sensing. So when this entire telescope was put together and the wings were fully deployed, they did basically shoot a laser at the at the mirror and then read the reflection in order to see how you know. Figure out what the focus points were. Basically, right? Is there laser a, interferometry? Interferometry is what it's called.
5: Is there a non-human way of uh, testing the mirrors for contamination before it's boxed up and put on the rocket?
2: Or? They they do have non-human ways as well. <laughs> but when <laughs> these mirrors were first unboxed, um, the best way to do it. And, and I think the most fun for the contamination engineers would be eyeballs.
3: <laughs> yeah. And what this kind of lens the, cleaner do they use?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> would be the ultimate <laughs> unboxing video as right, far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs>
3: and, and for example, you know, when you're talking about this, these pretty complicated testing processes, how do you try to conceptualize that, you know, for your imagery? How do you kind of, you know, get a, a sense of, uh, how do you, how do I say this, uh, documenting, narrating, uh, and describing pretty complex processes, you know, with one image. It's difficult.
2: <laughs> but, 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 it, you know, it really just starts with understanding what the processes are, hmm. you know? So, um, and, and once you understand what the processes are or what the, um, you know, what the intention of the, of the test are, um, uh, what the engineers have in mind you know you sit down and you talk to them and they explain what this test is supposed to do and what they're doing and then you can you can come up with the concept that tells the story yeah
3: quick question yeah. also about the uh you're describing the flashlight tests in the dark and the time exposure how uh how cooperative are the engineers and and scientists at that point when they know that you know you're doing a, a, yourself a relatively complex photo and and they may need to do several takes or is that just people skills and your time and experience there? You've developed relationships of people that are uh, willing to work with you?
2: I think it's a lot of the latter, mm-hmm. you know, just people skills and people really respecting what you do. But I think people understand that they're working on a mission that might change the way we look at the at the universe. Right. And they know that these images are going out and they want to be part of it. That's great. You know, yeah. so, so I, I really get a sense that everyone uh, really wants to be um, in some of these images as well.
3: Is it possible to put a number on the size of the team or like at least the core of the team that, that's, that you, you work with every day or that are on this project?
2: Um, I, I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, four or five hundred people, But mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in terms of core that I might see every day. Mm. and But there are many, many
3: more people. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. uh, quick question about, I was reading that, uh, back in august the two halves of the telescope were assembled and i guess that's out there where you are um mm-hmm. and was there a video team there to capture this because it would seem like any kind of thing where two things are coming together and that reminds me of the episode we did on the anniversary of the golden spike uh, where the two trains oh, came yeah, together yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah in order to document that do you have a video team there as well or do you we do. Sometimes shoot yeah, video? So, that's so, totally separate
2: right yeah. no well well I work closely with them, but I, I try not to shoot any video. because gotcha. um, The Goddard has a has an amazing video team led by Mike and Claire, mm-hmm. and uh, they shoot. Uh, they've been shooting video of the telescope as long as I've been shooting stills of the telescope. Gotcha.
3: Oh, that's great to have like, yep. kind of partners there um and uh, another question I had had to do with the the images themselves once they're completed and how they decide and how you decide which ones do go out to the public and, and which ones may be you know sent to Nat Geo or, or a magazine uh, and how much yeah, what's that collaboration like
2: So again, I'm I'm pretty much uh, in control of of the images that, in terms of selecting the images that have to go through an approval process to go public. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and that, that puts me in a unique position so that you guys don't ever get a chance to see anything that I don't like.
3: Right. So, um, <laughs> you, no, I mean the, every time everything you, you're saying here makes it sound like you have pretty much the perfect photographic job. So
2: yeah, yeah no, it's a good gig.
3: It's a, no, so no, we want well, we well, it. Yeah. I,
2: you know, I've, I've had the experience of working with art directors, and you, you you send them a group of images, and they don't pick any of the ones that you like. Yeah, right. So um, from that perspective, uh, I, I do like the fact that uh, that I get a chance to to make selections. Um, but then they have to go through an approval process, mm-hmm. um, which goes from the contractors through NASA, and uh, there's several different layers of approvals. It has to go through ITAR approvals so that we're not releasing anything mm-hmm. um, sensitive right. um, or proprietary and that sort of thing. And so then once images pass through that process, they're they're made available to the public, usually on our Flickr site. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's that's how that works.
3: Is there a security clearance that's needed on, on your end, like a government security clearance? Or is, that, uh, is it totally separate when you're working with NASA?
2: So, um, you know, yes and no. I mean, there, there are different levels of security clearance. But mm-hmm. yes, there's there's a level of clearance that's right. necessary.
3: And on, kind of on the photographic side, because you're a contractor and, you know, your work is getting published in prominent magazines, and I'm sure around the world. I've seen it on several websites. Who owns your pictures? Yeah, who owns them, and who's getting a licensing fee? Good
2: question. Yeah. No one's getting it. We all own them. No one's getting a licensing fee. You mean all like the the, the American people? Does it become uh, an official NASA photographs? The American people on yeah. the photographs. Yeah. The taxpayers. And they're right. an official NASA imagery. You know? okay. Are yeah. you are you
1: allowed to uh, you the use them
2: in yeah, the way you, you want you without
1: – are you allowed to profit by these or are you just allowed to uh, 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 use them for your own personal use or, or so that's non-profit? A good,
2: that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I, I believe that you could, you could actually – so, so I, I think you could profit from the images. So uh. so the, the, the images are public domain are ah. out in the public,
3: yeah. what about yeah. prints? And, and uh, I, I uh, want to ask okay. that certainly about because you know these could be in a gallery and uh, people would want to buy one of these prints at, at a large scale. When they are print sales, is that a little different? And I I hope it is for your case for you.
2: But also, I, wonder... I have actually I've actually seen my photographs for sale on websites.
5: Yeah. Oh. That
1: a, must okay. drive so. you nuts. You know, it's like what, what it's,
5: uh, it's part of the deal. When I was on the Coast Guard, I took a photo of a, the aftermath of a Coast Guard helicopter crash, mm-hmm. and you can go online and buy a wall print of that, or actually a embroidered pillow of that <laughs> photograph. How <Have> about <laughs> a coffee mug? You can get a co- you can get it on a coffee mug. See, now we're talking. Well, that's
2: yeah, that's, that's really
5: good, But <laughs> –
3: Okay. So, well, that's interesting. I would think that maybe, you know, in like we were talking about a gallery, uh, there may be a little codicil in your contract that would allow you to, to make prints and sell them in that, in that regard. Um, but the, the, I did want to ask about prints and, and when you're shooting, do you think of, of the prints that can be created from these images, uh, because they're gorgeous and they're huge and you know, why work in, in such a format like that if you're not going to kind of consider how big you can blow it up?
2: So, so I do actually, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I come from that, that world. So, um, when I'm shooting, I'm always thinking about post-processing and making prints and I, and we have made prints, um, right now. I mean, uh, at both NASA and North, there are images that are huge images that are, are displayed Mm -hmm. and we are planning to do, uh, some gallery shows and that sort of thing. We're also planning to, to do some print pieces.
1: If anything, it's a huge PR thing for you, for, for Ness. I know that, uh, anytime I see an exhibit of like, especially the moon photography, I stop, I look at it because we're never going to these places. We're never seeing these places. This is all we have are the photographs.
2: Exactly. And, and we've never seen anything like this being built. No. Right. So, so the, you know, I, I I liken it to, I don't know, the, the building of, of some of the world's great wonders. Right. So, we are planning on on uh, making large format prints and, and having gallery expositions for sure. Uh, we're at a time where we also need to get this thing into space. So we're, um, we're, we're working on all of that. Uh, I'm, I'm part of an outreach team. And one of our projects is to uh, get some of these images printed and uh, let the public see them.
3: That's great. Let me ask a little bit about some of that, maybe some of the complications that come with working with a big, you know, agency and for the government have there been stumbling blocks along the way, at least, you know, photographically or, or images you wanted to take that, that you weren't able to.
2: Uh, to be honest, you know, I, I really haven't, um, had any issues. There is a facility that that unfortunately uh i think um i couldn't access because of clearance right mm-hmm. so that that was one issue but you know i worked around that um
1: but- <laughs> by, the, by the way it's Wait, okay hold on hold on, hold on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can,
3: can you talk about the working around it part
2: we have a new topic for the <laughs> no, show no. oh you can't okay all right I, I did not i did not sneak in through the back door so okay no. i, I didn't um <laughs> I did just just didn't get a chance to see in that facility basically.
3: Gotcha, so. gotcha. And you mentioned yeah. uh, post processing, and we didn't really talk about that. Is there? Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of it and, and what you do? Uh, you know, when you're in Photoshop with some of these images, and also want to throw this in while we're here. You, when some of the reading I did about you, you talked about Ansel Adams and the Zone System, and how that really turned you on when you started photography, and you right. incorporate those ideas into your post process, your digital post process. So maybe talk about right. that a bit. Yeah,
2: Sure. I, so um, I really, I, I spent about, I don't know, five years assisting a photographer that wasn't adherent to, to the zone system. So I basically managed his dark room and did a lot of uh, film tests and uh, camera tests. And he really showed me the importance of, of those types of, things in terms of understanding your equipment and the materials that you are using, and control. Mm. Right. And it, it really didn't dawn on me, uh, how important it would, it would become in digital photography. I think until I went to the library of Congress and looked up one of Ansel's negatives that he had donated. And I saw how flat it was compared to the print that was the popular print that was out there, right. or in the public. So, I, and then going back and reading, I realized how much he actually did a lot of darkroom manipulation uh, and that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, I think what I get from Ansel's zone system is just the idea of visualization or pre visualization, if you will, and, and then control, you know, through exposure. Uh, and then on the back end, in terms of post processing, manipulation. Uh, subtle manipulation, and what I use is you know, a lot of layer masking, a lot of um, dodging and burning, or controlled dodging and burning through layer masking, and that sort of thing mm-hmm. to come up with some final images that really have a lot of pop, a lot of contrast. Yeah. You know, just and then take advantage of the entire tonal range and all those stops. You know, the, the fourteen or thirteen or fourteen stops. I get that that has a lot of fortune.
5: Yeah. Now is, are you calling down your images to a handful from each shoot, and then doing all that? extensive post-processing or are you doing the post-processing on a lot of images and then figuring out which ones you like?
2: So, you know, like with probably anybody's workflow, you do some sort of global post-processing. And then there are the magic three frames that you have. (laughs) Uh, And, out of those three maybe two speak to you and one is near perfect because of the composition and everything so i'll really spend a day or two or longer working on a single image you know and you gotta you gotta like look at it and work on it and then you leave it and come back and you see something else
3: do you have to every image you take do you have to submit or turn in or at least archive or let's say you there's one that you just don't want anyone to see and it's you can you delete it and yeah, make it you go away forever
2: to it. that's a good question yeah
3: i mean i know in certain obviously, new situations and, and,
2: and you know. short answer is, is no i mean we keep everything mm-hmm. right obviously if it's uh, out of focus uh, too dark too light it's gone
3: um but is it but, gone before you submit it i guess what i'm trying to think about it in terms of the process and the you know the, the right the archival the government right yeah. So,
2: so yeah so that. Those images, I do not submit. I don't archive. Right. Right. So but we any, but everything Any sharp good archived. exposures, if
1: there's a good record that's kept. Oh, that makes it's sense. It's archived. Yeah.
2: Exactly. That's
1: yep. wonderful.
5: What happens after James Webb goes to space for Chris Gunn?
1: <laughs> the lecture <Yeah>. uh, tour. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, oh. <laughs> the book. The
2: movie. The book. The movie. There is uh, W1st, which is a the next um, big telescope. Uh, that's being built at, at Goddard Space Flight Center, mm-hmm. um, and that is uh, more of a, a Hubble-sized telescope, but it uh, it's going to have the widest feel of of any telescope ever launched. So, in terms of imaging large portions of the sky,
3: and how close are you to done on this project? I mean, your work—it's launching.
2: You, yeah. It, yeah. It's launching in uh, 2021 from French Guiana.
3: Okay. Oh wow.
2: So I, I, I when the telescope gets uh, gets shipped down to French Guiana, I get shipped down to French Guiana and uh, hopefully create some amazing images of the telescope being integrated into the into the rocket, the Ariane 5, and looking for one good launch image as well. Why are
5: they, <laughs> why are they launching on the Ariane 5?
2: So the, the European contribution to, to this uh, other-than-instrument Packages the the European contribution is the launch, so it's being launched on, an, on you know on an ESA rocket, basically an okay. ESA supplied rocket. Hmm. Um, and of course, the Ariane Five is the is the largest vehicle uh, that they have that, that'll get us what we need.
1: The facility that you're shooting in, predominantly. Um, a lot of these facilities have horrific lighting as far as color temperature. These industrial lights, they're terrible. They're efficient for working, but they're horrible for photography. Do you yep. work in uh, with controlled lighting that's uh, more photo-friendly? Are there any specific uh, uh, attributes to the lights that are there? Or do you just work with what they hung on the ceiling?
2: No, I've... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so so no, I, I don't work with what's hung in the ceiling, but I utilize it. You know, it, it is one of the sources that's in the room. But uh I learned or figured out a while ago to produce some of the images that I really want to, I'm, I'm gonna need to bring in my own light. So uh I started out with um um Pro 7B packs and uh they started to just be too heavy and, and cumbersome to carry up and down the stairs. I went to B1s, uh, the battery operated packs. So sure. always battery operated packs, and uh, now I'm using the uh, what are they? The, the brown color zero spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they travel really well, um, and I'm using the 800s. So it's a, a little bit of a little bit more punch. Um, and then I have to, t- you know, I tend to blend the uh, the ambient light of the of the clean rooms and facilities with with the strobes if mm-hmm. I need to.
3: Yeah. And did incorporating the lights, was that a, uh, like a bureaucratic hurdle at any point? And also how did that, you know, just change the aesthetic of what you were doing? Or
2: Aesthetically, I- it, it, it just really just, just stepped up everything. You know, you just, you really, it, it just added a whole nother dimension to the images. Mm-hmm. Of course they look more finished. Yeah. Um, and knowing that the, the project's really high profile and we got to get some of these images out to the public, I think it was really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, bureaucratically. um, Or even scientifically, mm,
3: you know, for that (laughs) (laughs) matter. I
2: mean, no, no, I mean, I I don't think we had any issues. You know, Uh, it's really, it's really, you just, you wait until the right time and you say, hey, you know, I I really want to, want to step up the the quality of these images and I'm going to need some light. Right. Do the
5: technicians stop what they're doing while you're doing test firing or do they, is it pretty transparent to them?
2: No, I'm, I'm no, it's not transparent to them. I know I, I okay. really annoy them. When I this <laughs> <party. I'll bet. laughs> but, um, but I mean, they've gotten used to it. They've stopped calling me flies and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Paparazzi. <here again. laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really cognizant of what they're doing as well. I mean, if they're doing a really sensitive operation, I will not use strobes. Right, sure. uh, there's certain lifts and that kind of thing where, um, Using strokes might be really distracting, and I definitely don't want any uh, mishaps blamed on you me. You need a level so. of coexistence there, you really do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. You, you just have to pick your times.
3: Yeah, um, there's one shot of yours where it's a door of some size, and uh, several scientists are positioned in in a way that looks like, off the top of my head, looks like they're cleaning it, uh, but it could right. have been many other more important aspects of their work. Can you describe that shot a little bit and, uh, how you position those, those folks and, and how, you know, how much of a collaborative effort that was or, or how much, how long it took?
2: It, it wasn't collaborative at all. Okay. It was a really Lucky, <laughs> lucky image. Gotcha. That's, um, those doors were really heavy. That's the shipping container for James Webb. Okay. And the engineers and technicians, there are actually trying to get those doors latched. And, uh, So I I turned around, I did have the Hasselblad in my hand Mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, wow, look at this. I shot it uh, and it actually stayed in a raw format uh, for a while before I got back to it and realized what I had Mm. Um, and, you know, went ahead and and uh, color corrected and that sort of thing so there's mm-hmm. no additional light in that particular image oh, well. and uh, it's one of my favorites actually yeah,
1: don't you love when that happens yeah, yeah so you're, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. using
3: all your all the photo muscles i mean you're doing yeah. your documentary almost you got you know your news style moment there as well as setting up uh, much more involved shots and, and documentary um, do you use macro yeah. lenses when you're working on you know documenting pieces and parts and things like that yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. we wind up using okay. a lot of macro photography. Yeah. My mm-hmm. last question is, uh, you know, you mentioned in one in one of the articles I read that you and you know, there is some influence of science fiction films in your work, and uh, I was hoping you could mention maybe some of the specific science fiction films you liked and, and watched, and and how that you know fe- feeds into your work.
2: So, I mean, from a from I don't know as long as I can remember, I've been a fan of science fiction. I'm I'm Star Trek. You know, the whole Captain Kirk and Spock. I mean, that that used to mesmerize me when I'd mm. come home from school and watch those episodes when I should have been doing homework. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 no. You had your priorities straight. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look where you are today. Movies. You did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, and lately the the aesthetics of um, I guess some of my favorite movies. Let me think. Let me think for a second. Um, I like the latest Blade Runner. Um, oh, yeah. I think I it's thought it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Prometheus. Um, when I talk to friends, they, they really, yeah, I don't really like the movie, but I love the look of, of uh, Prometheus. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I watch films multiple times with the sound down because I just want to look at the aesthetics of it, yeah. see how it was lit, That's a great and that idea, sort of yeah. thing. So yeah. I think I've seen Blade Runner maybe. I want to say 20, 25 times the original with one. the sound down. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, well I've done the original, but I've also done the latest one yeah. uh, with the sound down uh, quite. A few
3: times. I heard that movie ad Astro was really good. This, this is a side note. We might keep this. Uh, ad right. Astro
2: was really good. Yeah. I, I, again, yeah. um, I, I think it. that uh, the aesthetics were, were amazing.
5: There's a, a remastered version of the original blade runner that pops up in theaters every once in a while. It's like eight K resolution. And it's, yep. Yep. it's amazing
2: you get to get a chance 2001 space odyssey yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You can't okay. you i've
1: seen that bad. 11 times
2: <laughs> Just
1: Eight, including <laughs> 70 millimeter at the zickfield theater and surround sound when it <laughs> first came oh out. my goodness no but wow. you can feel that oh, movie yeah. i mean I, I
3: i see that movie in, in some of your shots for sure you know <laughs> absolutely
1: uh and anyway if, if people want to see more of your work uh where can they go instagram websites uh, where can they find your work
2: uh, they can find my work uh, I'm on Instagram um, it's the light and the lens so that's my Instagram handle mm-hmm. and my website is gunphotography.com
3: yeah right, we'll put that of on, course, we'll, we'll link that yeah
1: in. yeah Absolutely. It's great. All right. Alrighty, Uh, wonderful talking. We, again, we enjoyed it as you can tell, we had a great time here also, uh, yeah. the past hour or so. If we um, found
3: the guy with the greatest photo job ever. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> it's it been yeah. a long search. Not, I mean, more. this
2: has been, this has been fantastic to get a chance to talk to you guys. Uh, I've, I, I can tell that uh, that you guys are a fan of science and space and that sort of thing. It really comes across uh, in our good. conversation. It came across in our conversation, and I hope you follow this project. To be honest, uh, well, we Seems will know for it. sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> absolutely. I guarantee a
1: lot of a lot of our listeners will also be uh, tuning in to see what's going on there too. A lot of, a lot of good stuff here.
2: This has been awesome, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm man, glad it's yeah, a pleasure yeah, yeah. having you. Right. It was really good, Chris. Thanks,
1: guys. Okay, that is a wrap. You know, there are a lot of people out there who love taking pictures, but for whatever reason still haven't subscribed to our show. Do you know anybody who might fit that profile? If you do, don't shame them, but do encourage them to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Spotify, and subscribe to our show. It's free, it's easy. And tell them they can always find us on the b Explorer website as well as the b h Photography Podcast Facebook group. For now, on behalf of the entire crew, including John Harris, Jason Tables, and Finn Camp's profoundly proud Papa, thank you so much for tuning in today.